Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, uh, Ian, so pretty exciting stuff, at least as far as um, we do have some Broncos news to talk about. We've got some things that we can go over, uh, and that's what happens when you get a schedule release is uh, you get to examine what you think might happen and, and kind of get excited about how the season is going to play out. Uh, in our last episode, we discussed the opponents and how we thought things would look and the importance of where games might fall and where the bye was going to be. And uh, you had a nice tweet about, you know, the Broncos have a, a week eight bye, which is right in the middle. Fantastic. We love that. Uh, and so uh, we're going to get a chance to talk about what the season could look like as long as it starts on time. And as you mentioned, a week eight bye. Usually week eight to week 11 is the sweet spot for your bye because that falls right in the middle of the season. So the Broncos have seven games before their bye, and then after they'll have nine to get to the 16. So that's pretty much half and half. So I, I like where the, the bye falls. They also have three primetime games. So they open on the doubleheader, the, the second game of the Monday night doubleheader to open the season against the Titans which is an interesting choice to open with. They then have a week four game against the Jets on Thursday night football in the Meadowlands. And then 
as we talked about, when is that Chiefs game going to fall at Arrowhead? And right on, right on cue, December, Sunday night football in Arrowhead. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough. That's a tough one. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe best thing to do is just kind of go through the games, and and we don't have to do the uh, Frank Caliendo, uh, John Gruden thing where you just go win, 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 buy, win. I think uh, I, I loved watching that. That was hilarious. Although if you're a Raider fan, don't get used to win, 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 win because that ain't gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> I love his Bruce Arians. His Bruce Arians is hilarious. I also liked his Adam Gase, where he just he has <laughs> the cross eye, like like the drug eyes. Yeah. So he's like so big. His eyes are so big. I don't know how he does that. So, and then his Jerry Jones. I think a lot about it in the shower. <laughs> that's that's weird, man. I don't want to think about Jerry Jones thinking about things in the shower. That just that just gets a little weird. So, as as far as starting on Monday night against the Titans, I, I have a couple things. To, that I have thoughts on here. One, uh, it's an interesting game to start with because I think the Denver Broncos turned the Titans season around uh, in 2019. What they did to the Tennessee Titans in 2019 by essentially um, destroying Marcus Mariota and forcing them to bring in Ryan Tannehill uh, and shutting down Derrick Henry and, and forcing that franchise to really re-examine how they wanted to go about doing their business that year, uh, they, they became a much better football team after they got sort of destroyed by the Denver Broncos. And if I'm not mistaken, that was a shutout, right? Or or would they give up like two points? I don't remember. I don't remember the it was score. A shutout. It was, I was gonna say it was a shutout. And sure. they and they held Derrick Henry in check. Derrick Henry didn't do anything in that game. Exactly. So it, it's an interesting way to start because uh I would I would argue that the Tennessee Titans started their season in twenty nineteen against the Denver Broncos and and had a pretty solid run after that. Uh and and so they'll start it again this year. I, I, I don't know that uh, it'll be the same outcome, but it is an interesting way to start the season for both franchises, for both teams. That being said, I absolutely hate, I abhor the second Monday night game. And the Broncos do it, have have done it several times. I, I would be curious to know the stats on that. But I would, Two of the last three years. I was going to say, I would guess they've done it a, a couple of times in the last three years. They've probably done it uh, as much as any other franchise to start the season since they started doing this double header. And I'm, I'm not going to look it up because it's not that big a deal, but it is frustrating to have to be a Bronco fan that sits up. And I know that if you're on, you know, mountain time, which a lot of people are, uh, it's an, what is it? An eight fifteen start or something like that, or an eight ten start. If, if you're on central time, it's nine ten. If you're on the East coast, it's 10, 10. It is, it's ridiculous. It's Saturday night live. You know I mean? It's it, you're staying up late on a, on a work night. And it, it's frustrating. It's just not fun to watch. And I almost feel like that's the biggest throwaway game of the season for the networks. They know that they're not going to have a lot of people watching that game. And so I, I can understand why you would pick the Titans and the Broncos. That's, you know, that's two very uh, specific franchises, right? You have very specific fan bases that are in fairly specific areas, but it's still frustrating. It's still, it's, it's still like, the most disrespected start to the season as possible. Well, imagine if you're a Broncos Europe fan like Colin Cronin in Ireland, where you already hate Monday night games to begin with. <laughs> now you had make it to kick off two hours later. So yeah, I, I, what gives me confidence for the Broncos in that game is they play so well in home openers. 
I they just they they win at home. They don't win on the road to open the season. And so I while you don't want to take the Titans for granted, they just went um to the AFC championship game against the Chiefs. They beat Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. I am fairly certain the Broncos are going to open the season one and oh. They they just historically they always play well at home when they open the regular season. Yeah, I I, I do think that that's a, a positive you can take away from it. I think just from the standpoint of a fan who uh, who works a regular job, a, a regular Monday through Friday job, who lives far away, right, in a different time zone and has to deal with the late night stuff. And and then for us, obviously, uh, you know, we will be doing our postgame recaps uh, throughout the season. And so that makes it an even later night for us. And we've got our, our articles to write, which we love to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about doing it. It's just, it's a late night to start the season. I mean, imagine being Scotty or, uh, you know, somebody else who lives on the East coast. And, and like you said, a column from Broncos Europe and those guys, because it's, it's a, it's just a, a difficult way to start. That being said, I do think you're right. Uh, a Monday night game to start the season, is always nice, especially when it's at home, the way that the Broncos open their seasons. And, and I think there's a lot of confidence about this team heading into the start of the season, just from where they finished in 2019, how things went during the off season with free agency, with the draft, which I, I think you and I were both very high on. Uh, and, and then moving into uh, what could potentially be a, a good uh, sort of, I, I almost call it a gap season between um, what you would call some pretty terrible seasons to what looks like the Broncos becoming uh, a, a more relevant franchise moving forward. So I kind of like the way that that could start off with a Monday night win. And it's uh, it's, it is on my anniversary. So uh, that means I might not get to watch. The bad news about it being the second of the Monday night doubleheader is we're not going to be able to watch the new Monday night football crew. Because it's not going to be Joe Tessator or the horrible Burger McFarland any longer, thank goodness. So that's that's a downside. I think it's probably going to be Steve Greasy or uh, Steve Levy and Brian Greasy again. Um, that would be my guess as to who the you know, second of the Monday night football games to open the not, season. Not to cut you off, I hate to do this to you because I you know it's, it's not really fair. But I was listening to Dan Patrick this morning because. I uh, had the opportunity to, and he was talking about that Monday night game and, or that Monday night crew. And Steve Levy might be the guy who takes over for Joe Tessitor as the, the lead guy on the Monday night football booth. So it might not be Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. I, I think that that would be, I, I don't mind Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. I actually think they're okay at their jobs, but he might be doing that primetime, that first game, because Steve Levy might be getting that, that main gig. I wouldn't mind that. I remember uh, hockey in the late 90s and throughout the 2000s when it was on ESPN, he would do hockey with Darren Pang or Barry Melrose, depending on uh, the broadcasting tandem that he would have. So I, I I, think Steve Levy is a great color guy. He does college football now with Brian Greasy and then um, fills in for the Monday night game for the second of the doubleheader as they did last year in Oakland. So I, I, I I have no problem with that because it means that Burger McFarland isn't there. Well, you know, with Burger McFarland, he's not going to be there anymore because ESPN has said that he's not going to be there uh, because they're not going to have him doing the games anymore. So it won't be Booger McFarland. That was my Booger McFarland impression. How did I do? 
Nailed it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, all right. So I, I think we're both sort of, we're, we're into the season now. And then the Broncos go week two. Uh, they head to uh, Pittsburgh and they, they play the underrated rival that we've talked about in the past. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, are, are perhaps their biggest out of division uh, or out of AFC West division rival because of all of the playoff games that they've played against Pittsburgh in, in the Broncos history. So uh, that'll be an interesting one because the Steelers are an interesting team as well. We don't know what's going to be uh, the deal with, with Ben Roethlisberger. We don't know how good that defense is going to be. We don't, I mean, there's, there's a lot of question marks with Pittsburgh and, and what's going to be happening with them as well. The thing that stands out about the first seven games before the bye is three of the five trips to the East coast all take place early in the season. So you get Pittsburgh week two, you get New York week four, you get New England week five. What the other aspect of that game or of those games is you have a a quick turnaround for the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously it's an 11 a.m. start, mountain time. And then you have the Thursday night game and you have a little bit of a mini buy. So that, that counters that counters having to go to New York, back to Denver, back to New England. So what that's actually the aspect that I like about this is that you actually get the East Coast travel, most of it out of the way early in the season before the weather gets bad. Yeah, that's that's definitely helpful. It's it is a bit of a a a, a, a tough you know I I don't like those Thursday night games either. The turnaround on Thursday night games is 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 never good. Uh, but I, I I do like the mini buy that you get as well. You mentioned that, so that that will be something to uh, to look forward to 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 sort of see that that mini buy as as they move forward. Um, and you know there will be a matchup in between all those with Tom Brady as well, as uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be bringing uh, Tom Brady and uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and and that particular offense. And Florida Denver. man, Rob Gronkowski, yes, Florida and Florida. Man, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. How, how could I forget the Gronk? Right. Um, Florida man, Rob Gronkowski. That will be a, a very difficult matchup. And I, I, at least for the defense, it'll be uh, interesting to see how Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel put together a defense to combat an offense that let's face it, has some of the best weapons in the NFL. And, and I'm, I'm saying that as a, a fantasy football player, uh, who owned both Evans and Godwin on the same football team on the same fantasy football team, uh, in 2019 and rode that all the way to a championship. So, uh, it is, it is not beyond the realm of possibility that Tom Brady is going to have a very good season with two incredibly good wide receivers and his favorite target in Rob Gronkowski following down to Tampa Bay, how will Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel combat that offense so that they don't just run away with that game? Because there's a potential for that. Uh, the good news is that it's happening in Denver, and Tom Brady doesn't play well in Denver because he has a losing record all time against the Denver Broncos. So the, that's that's the positive news, is that they get Tampa and Tom Brady in Denver as opposed to playing at the pirate ship in Tampa. Yeah, definitely. I, I have I've noticed a little bit of a, a um, sort of a, a back and forth here that we've created very quickly. I'm very good at, at saying all of the things that could go wrong, and you're very good at finding the positives. We're working this out very well, not on purpose either. It's just sort of we fell into that. I'll try and be more positive. How about that? The one thing that I want to make clear throughout this podcast is I think it's it's way too early to start doing game by game predictions. Now, the only game that I will predict 
and I do think it is a win, is, is that opener against the Titans. Aside from that, it's way too early to know what the Broncos are going to do in any of these games. Because we have no idea what the team is going to look like. We have no idea what Drew Locke and this offense is going to look like until they get on the field. You can take certain aspects from the past and try to lead that to a prediction or what potentially could happen. So just like we said about Tom Brady in Denver, he doesn't play well in Denver. He has a losing record in Denver. He has a losing record all time against the Broncos. That's something that you can take into account. The fact that the game is in Denver is obviously something that you take into account. It's something that weighs in their favor more so than if the game was in Tampa Bay. So that's one thing that I'm not going to do on this podcast is go through game by game and try to to predict what's going to happen. I think there's certain games where you think you have a pretty good indication of what's going to happen. I think week two, week two against Pittsburgh, that's going to be an incredibly tough game that's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers home opener. So, and then the other one is obviously historically the Broncos in December in Arrowhead. Aside from that, I think it's way too early to have any clue is what is going to happen in each game, let alone to predict how the Broncos are going to fare in those games. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's, it's really more about going through the schedule identifying the the games that we think are going to be the most interesting. Obviously uh, we're going to watch all 16 games. There's, there's no question that we will, um, we will be in on every single game, but it, it is sort of a fascinating thing to look at the way the schedule sort of played out. And, uh, and, and obviously the other thing that we're doing here, uh, you know, on this, you know, fine May afternoon, as we record here on, on May 12th, right. Which is a Tuesday. Uh, who knows where things are going to be. We're, we're in the process of doing a podcast during a, a time period where there's no live sports unless you're watching Korean baseball late at night, which I am, uh, because it's actually quite interesting. Or if you're gearing up to watch like the Bundesliga or something because you're uh, going to watch some some professional soccer as it starts up as well. But Or the UFC. Or the Thankfully, UFC. There's three, there's, will have been three events after Saturday. So at least there's that. And unlike the WWE it's not totally weird to see it without fans, especially for those um, fans of the USC who watched the ultimate fighter when it was still on TV, because all of those fights took place minus the finale without fans. So there is at least those options, especially in terms of us sports. Right, exactly. And so we're, we're sitting here pondering about a, a potential season that, that could never, it could, could not happen. It could be truncated, which means that it, they would shorten the season. It, it could be pushed back, and they might start the season in in November. Uh, who knows? We are, we're not talking about uh, things in absolutes because we just have no idea what's going to happen as, as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. The, the hope is, and I think the belief is, that by the time we get to the summer uh, months and we get to closer to training camp, that things will start to be figured out. But we've been saying that for a couple of months now, and – uh, we really haven't been able to to jump in on the live sports thing. So so we're going to take everything with a grain of salt. But it is fun to look at these games and go, okay, well, this is a game that I'm excited about. This is a game that I'm interested in. For example, uh, one of the games that, that popped off the screen to me as I was looking at this is late November. It's the, the 29th of November, Saints at Broncos. That That's a game that I'm, I'm interested in. I'm interested because I want to watch Drew Brees. 
you know, he's a, a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game, and that's always a, a fun thing to watch. And as I recall, the last time the Broncos played the Saints, it was down in New Orleans, and it was uh, a win on that blocked kick returned by Justin Simmons for uh, a two-point uh, two-point play that gave the Broncos that win. With was it Simmons or was Simmons that blocked it and Parks that returned it, right? Correct. And and if you re, if you remember, he had the white shoes on, and you couldn't tell if he stepped on the line. I just remember uh, just going through all of that. Like, did he step on the line on his way? Was he out of bounds? Was he not out of bounds? And, and obviously, they you know they got the win because of that. But that's a, that's a game that I'm interested in because it it pops out on the screen, and uh, I guarantee there are going to be people who have fantasy players that are on their team that they're going to be interested in what happens with that, with that game as well. And, and again, for me, I look at these games and I see a solid offense in new Orleans and I want to see how Vic Fangio game plans, these really good offenses. And how does he do uh, in creating a, a, you know, a, a game plan that the Broncos can execute on defense and hold these high powered offenses like the saints, like the chiefs, obviously, uh, to, to fewer points than the Broncos can score. I mean, obviously, that's the point of the – that's why they play the game, right? See who can score more points. I'm debating whether to call you Booger McFarland or John Madden. <laughs> I realized as I was about halfway through that, I was like, man, I don't – I'm losing my mind. You know, they play games to see who can win the game because if you score more points, that's how you win. Nailed it. There are some games on the schedule that I – there's some great potential for these games. I think Pittsburgh, Tampa at new England after the Thursday night game against the jets, obviously because there's no Tom Brady and everyone's curious to know, did the dynasty end with Tom Brady or is it going to continue with bill Belichick since he's still there? I, you have the Miami dolphins coming the next week with Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback now. And you have that revamped defense, which is basically like the new England Patriots in Miami. And then you get the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the key to this entire season, and we'll get into this later on what we think the weak link is or the weakest part of this team. But for me, the key to this season is to beat the Chiefs. Not both times. Beat the Chiefs one of these two games. Finally, get off the schneid and end this ridiculous losing streak to the Chiefs. And I, it still makes me sick to even say this, and it boggles my mind. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was week two of the 2015 season. They are going to enter the 2020 season having not beat the Chiefs in almost five years. I didn't enjoy you saying that. Just, just so you're I aware. didn't enjoy I didn't, saying it. I didn't like it. It didn't feel good. Uh, so I think the key to this season, if the Broncos want to be a playoff team, if they want to, to get off this playoff drought to end it, the key to this season is to beat the Chiefs. Because as I said on Broncos Country tonight, if you beat the Chiefs, that gives the team confidence it can beat anyone in the National Football League, that it can compete with any team and beat them because they haven't done it against Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. In fact, they did. They did it when Alex Smith was still the quarterback. Yeah. So he doesn't have a leg anymore. I mean, he does. If you haven't seen that check out that, that documentary, but um, 
you know, it's interesting you bring up the Chiefs as as a an opponent that the Broncos have to beat uh, to almost show that they've arrived. And if, if you look in uh, Broncos history, there have been those teams that they had to get they had to get past, right? You had to get over the hump against certain teams to kind of show that you were there. Uh, that 77 season, I go back to that 1977 season, beating the Raiders. That was that was a huge moment in the regular season, beating the Raiders, showing that the Denver Broncos belonged. And you, you go through that with teams. I would say that the Broncos, for a lot of teams, during the, that 90s run, were the team that they needed to get past. If I was a Chiefs fan, I would have been looking at the Broncos like, if we can get past the Broncos, we can be, you know, a great team. And they couldn't get past the Broncos. And now the Broncos are sort of on the flip side of that. That's a really good point that can they beat the Chiefs? And the Chiefs have become, they've become the mountain, right? The Chiefs have turned into the mountain that the Broncos have to climb to show that they belong in the playoff picture, to show that they are more than just, uh, you know, a potential five to eight win team. If you can, if you can show that you're good enough to beat that team, if you can get over that hump, you are, you're there. You're not necessarily a Super Bowl team. Maybe you're, you're still, um, you're, you're still climbing a, a bigger mountain. But you've got to get past this Chiefs team to show, like you said, that you have the potential to be a great playoff team. And if they can do that this year with Drew Locke as their uh, starting quarterback in his second season. If they can put together a team that can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, they are going to be a competitive team in the AFC and have a shot at a deep run in the playoffs. I just think that that's a possibility. I don't think they win the AFC West. I'm not getting into predictions. That's just off the top of my head. But I do think they have the potential to be a contender. And you're right. Beating the Chiefs will be that catalyst. If you can get past that that team, that's the that's the wall you got to get through. Then then you're showing everybody that you belong. The entire time you were talking, I was picturing Andy Reid climbing a mountain. <laughs> did, did it? It didn't go well, right? Like you had to stop a bunch, take and, some deep breaths. Realize oh. that the only reason he's on top of the mountain is because Patrick Mahomes. If it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, there's no way Andy Reid gets to the top of the mountain mainly because he couldn't walk up it and mainly because he wouldn't be up it without Patrick Mahomes. No, it's a good point. It's it's a great point. And, and it actually illustrates the importance of finding a franchise quarterback. And, and we've had these conversations with, with people we've gone back and forth. QB wins aren't a thing or whatever. I I'm sorry. At a certain point, your franchise goes the way that your quarterback goes. And Patrick Mahomes has proven that he is, if not, the best, at least one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be that foil until until Patrick Mahomes is gone. That's just the way it is. He's he's he is to the Denver Broncos as John Elway was to the Kansas City Chiefs for so many years, and so you know, hopefully, the Broncos have found the guy who can compete with him in Drew Locke. And I I know we've said this before, but over the course of the last couple of weeks we've gotten more evidence that he definitely has the potential to be that guy because he totally gets it. And I think he has it, but I also think he has that drive, that determination that all great players, regardless of the sport need. And I think the one thing that he has that I think Peyton Manning had is that he enjoys the process. 
He knows he has to be better. He knows he has to put in the work, but he enjoys putting in the work. He enjoys doing all of this. That's what separated Peyton Manning from so many others. It's not that he was the, the greatest or the best quarterback. It's the preparation that he put in to get on the field. Before he ever got on the field, he put in the work. And then he continued to do the work when he got on the field. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has heard stories about how if it wasn't perfect on the practice field, Peyton Manning would get pissed and want to do it again. I see that in Drew Locke. I see that that same type of leadership, that same type of quality. So, yes, Patrick Mahomes is totally what John Elway was to that fan base and that organization for 17 years. The difference is the Broncos aren't going to have Steve DeBerg or Steve Bono doing it. <laughs> it's going to be longer than three years of Joe Montana. Yeah, which which really was their only – their only shot for a while. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about Peyton Manning, the, the, the thing that popped into my head, and this is obviously the, the pop culture reference of today is the last dance, the documentary about the Chicago bulls and Michael Jordan and their run. And uh, in, in the episodes that aired the Sunday night before we recorded this, uh, they talked to Michael Jordan about his attitude and about who he was and what he expected of the people around him and how he, he had there was something inside Michael Jordan that made it so that he had to win. He had to defeat people. And we've talked about John Elway being like that, where he got rid of a, a pool table because he lost to Bubby Brister uh, on a brand new pool table once. And that it's that same sort of mentality. But it's not just that he had to win. It was that he understood the importance of preparation, the importance of putting in the work. And he, and he said something that uh, I think was incredibly important and is maybe the, the most poignant moment of his sort of understanding of who he was. He never asked any, and he said it, he, he swore, I won't. He said, I, I never asked anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. And and that to me is, is something that I think you see that in Drew Locke a little bit. And I go back to draft night, that first night when he tweeted out almost immediately to Jerry Judy, let's, I'll, I'll start going over the playbook with you right now call me let's do it i mean obviously there's that excitement that adrenaline rush of of getting a guy who you're excited about but at the same time it's that recognition that if we start now if we start preparing now we're going to be great we're going to we're going to be ready and couple that with what we've heard about Jerry Judy as being a guy who uh you know from Nick Saban Alabama had to wa- watch him and 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 sort of pay attention to him so that he wouldn't work too hard so that he wasn't overdoing that to me is like when you start to hear those things about these young guys who seemingly understand it. And I'm not saying I expect them to be Michael Jordan and I expect them to be Peyton Manning because those are two of the greatest athletes in the history of athletes period. I do like that. The trend is that direction. That is what you're getting. And so you will hopefully see that sort of translate to success on the field starting in 2020, but obviously, like I said, I feel like 2020 is going to be that gap year, that year that sort of propels them into success in 2021. I have to fact check myself really quick. Uh Oh, I didn't mention, I didn't, I didn't mean to mention Steve DeBerg. I mean to mention Steve Bono, which I did, but also Elvis Gerback. Yes, that was, was, yes. And and Elvis Gerback. Oh, he was so, Elvis Gerback. Wow. And then uh, Rich Gannon 
for a while, right? Wasn't Rich Gannon there? And I mean, they they went through several quarterbacks trying to figure it out, and really, Patrick Mahomes is the first guy that they've they've had since Joe Montana that you could say that's a franchise quarterback. That's a guy that's going to carry this team, and he is. And that's that's what you have to have. And like you've said, and like I've said, hopefully that's what Drew Lock can become. That's what we're looking for. Uh, is there is there a game on this schedule? I'm going to ask you this just because we're kind of getting to the end of our schedule discussion here. The schedule is what the schedule is. But is there a game on this schedule that doesn't necessarily, like I mentioned the Saints game, I thought that one kind of stood out to me when I looked at it. Is there one that stands out to you that isn't uh, one of those like sort of obvious games that you're interested in, that you're that you're going to be looking for specific things, something that, that kind of hits you that you're excited to see? I think it's the games against teams that may be on the up, on the upswing, or they may be teams that might be on the same level as the Broncos. Because you always, you know, that teams always rise up to the competition. That 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 happens regardless of the team they have. I mean, obviously, the Chiefs are always going to rise up whenever they face Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. It's what do the teams do when the teams aren't as good as the Chiefs or the Ravens or the 49ers or the Saints? So I'm looking at the at, at the games against the Falcons, against the Las Vegas Raiders, which is a little bit different because it's a rivalry game. So I'll, we can we can throw that one out. But I think the the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bills. To me, those three games will go a long way in determining how this season goes. And it's fitting that they come after the bye because the Broncos, after week eight, when they have their bye, they go to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. It's good that they have have, uh, a bye week after that, that game against the Kansas City Chiefs at the end of October and before they go to Atlanta. But then the, the, I think the two games that will go a long way in determining how this season plays out, aside from beating the Chiefs one time, is at the Carolina Panthers and home against the Buffalo Bills. Because that Sunday night game at the beginning of December in Arrowhead Stadium, they then have a, a quick turnaround to an East Coast game against the Carolina Panthers. And then they come home against Jared, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. To me, I think those two games on top of the game at Atlanta are going to be good barometers for where this this team and this season end up. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. You know, the other two that stand out, and they're, they're late season games as well, is the games against the Chargers. Uh, and and for obvious reasons, that's a, that's a family game, right? That's a family affair with Chris Harris Jr. Uh, and Melvin Gordon facing their former teams, obviously, Chris Harris Jr. of the no-fly zone fame, and then Melvin Gordon, who has uh, joined the Denver Broncos. And so those are those are those games that sort of have that added juice, uh, that that added sort of interest because of those that 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 fam those family ties. And, and let's face it, uh, you know, at least for Broncos country, I think Chris Harris Jr. is is a part of the family, even though he he's no longer playing for the Denver Broncos. Uh, I, I'm not sure that Melvin Gordon necessarily is still a part of the family with the Chargers because of the way that they. Um, didn't necessarily treat him as nicely as he would have liked to have been treated. Uh, but at least for the fans, Chris Harris Jr., that's that's a guy who is he's going to be a Denver Bronco, whether or not he still plays for the Denver Broncos. But it will be interesting to just kind of 
watch that play out to see how he does against our team, right? As a, as he is no longer a part of our team and how does Melvin Gordon do against his old team? And it's a, it's a team that is in a little bit of flux with the loss of Phillip rivers. We don't, we don't play Phillip rivers this year. You know, that, that, that to me is another one where I'm looking at the schedule going, well, when do we get to, you know, talk smack about Phillip rivers? We don't, he's not on the schedule. It's weird. Cause he now plays for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. So, so that's another one. So, um, you know, that's, there's, there's definitely some interesting stuff going on there, but it's, that's not the only information or, or news that's out there about the Broncos right now. So, um, it's kind of an interesting spot to transition, right? We can pivot a little bit because there is some news out there, uh, uh right now, uh, that is somewhat tying the Denver Broncos, uh, to Jason Peters, the, uh, the, the tackle that, uh, do you say, would you say he's formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes, because uh, he's a free agent. I guess he's technically a free agent, but doesn't it look like prime? That, that looks like where he would probably end up. I don't know. I guess I guess I'm deferring to you on that because he is a free agent. But everything I've seen is that he's been in. Uh, he's had conversations with the Eagles and been uh, mostly connected back to them. I think what you're seeing is when you have an aging, experienced tackle like Jason Peters, who's coming off an injury. You want to make sure that he's healthy. And the fact that teams can't fly players into their facilities and and do physicals and and see where they are at in terms of uh, the physicality of where they're at, of, of how they're going to perform and where they're currently at makes it more difficult. So I, I think what you're going to see with the Broncos and, and James Palmer of NFL Network said that they're lingering, that the Broncos are lingering with Jason Peters. And that ties into what Les Shapiro has said, where he doesn't think they're going to do anything right now. But when they get the guys on the field and they see what Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson and then Jawan James do on the field, whether it's in some some form of training camp or, or whatever it is, then they'll make the decision on whether or not they bring in a guy like Jason Peters. At this point, I we've touched on this about how we think Drew Locke makes Garrett Bowles better. It, it's not the other way around. I think Garrett Bowles is, looks better. I don't know if he actually played better, but it, it, as I mentioned on the last podcast, Garrett Bowles is the pig. Drew Locke is the lipstick. Still hilarious. Lipstick is always going to make something look better, even if it's a pig, even if it's a disgusting pig. That's I'm fair. not saying that Garrett Bowles is a disgusting pig. The way he plays is disgusting, but it 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 looks a little bit better when you put makeup on it. When you put some lipstick from Drew Locke, a little designer look. That's that's for sure. Well, I guess you know that's something. Well, it's we're sort of in a wait and see period with that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to to bring up with you, and, and uh, some people may know this, Ian uh, is is doing some work for uh, a website that that is covering some of the the sports betting. What's what's the name of the website, Ian? Play Colorado. Excellent. And so, because you're doing some work with that, you, you've got a little bit of insight into some things. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the schedule a little bit because uh, you mentioned this to me before we started recording, and it had to do with the the playoff odds for the Denver Broncos before. They uh, before they released the schedule and then after they released the schedule. 
I think it's fascinating. And this is from DraftKings, which is one of the, the five apps now available for fans in Colorado to bet on because sports betting is now official in Colorado. As it stands now, there's DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, BetRivers, and BetMonarch. The interesting thing about BetMonarch is that it's not tied to any casino because the Monarch Casino is the one running BetMonarch. But in terms of the playoff odds, DraftKings before the schedule was released, and this is after the draft, had the odds at yes, plus 165, and no, minus 210 for the Broncos to make the playoffs. Now, that's the money line bet. So that would mean that 210 is the favorite. So they were favored to not make the playoffs. After the schedule was released, at least for DraftKings, it changed quite significantly. Denver went from yes at plus 165 to yes plus 150 and minus 210 to minus 182. So a little bit of a shift there, right? Almost like so, uh, it's about e. I, I would say that's about even. Right. They have it plus one fifty and minus one eighty two. That's basically what you would call a toss up. They they don't, at least for DraftKings, they they're not they don't really know, which yeah. I I think is is fair to say because that's what we that's what we were saying earlier. There's just no way to know what this team is going to look like. I think it is a playoff team especially if it beats the Chiefs one time. But I think right now they are—they absolutely are a playoff team, especially when you consider that they've expanded each conference to seven playoff teams. So that adds a third wildcard team to the playoff field. Yeah, it, it shifts things for sure. And, and I, I do think it's really interesting when you have uh, these little changes, right? Now, you know, you had prior to the draft where they were at, after the draft where they were at, which actually, as I recall, uh, went their playoff chances after the draft went down, um, according to, according to Vegas. Right. And then after this, after the schedule released, their playoff chances seemingly went up. So it, it is really a crap shoot not to, you know, use a, a bit of a, a parlance of, of the gambling, uh, scene, but it is, it, it, you don't really know at this point. Now you will probably know, uh, as we get closer, I think you'll you know you'll see the line change, but it's just sort of an interesting thing to continue to monitor as as we are fans of the Denver Broncos and we are watching them uh, go through this process post uh, 2015 Super Bowl win, right? And now sort of watching them continue to rebuild, even though we haven't heard the words rebuild out of uh, some of the you know some of the the mouths of some of the people who are doing the rebuilding. Uh, you you do see that uh, this is something that's going to continue to be in flux and continue to adjust. And, and like I said to you before we started recording, last I checked, Vegas is pretty much undefeated, right? They still got all those hotels and casinos and whatnot. So they're doing just fine. And part of the reason they're doing just fine is because they don't make mistakes and they don't lose. I'll throw in one more uh, for the playoff odds for the Broncos. And this is from the Superbook. And uh, Broncos fan Jay Carnegie, who is uh, – I believe the executive vice president for the Superbook, and they'll be with the Lodge Casino and Blackhawk whenever they launch in June or at some point thereafter. They have the Broncos making the playoffs odds at yes, plus 170, at no, minus 190. So 
Yeah. Superbook isn't much different right now than DraftKings. I'm sure. I'm sure you're not going to see a huge difference from some of those places. So that does that doesn't surprise me. So, all right, let's do this. Let's take a break, right? Let's let's give everybody a little bit of a a breather here. We'll do do a quick break. When we come back, uh, you got asked an interesting question on your Broncos Country Tonight appearance with with Brian and Ben uh, on KOA. Uh, about the Broncos' weakest link. What is their weak link as as we head into uh, or head towards, I should say, training camp and then event, the eventual season? So when we come back, we'll talk about that uh, and kind of look at uh, where things stand with the Denver Broncos. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We're back after the after the break here. And um, we, we mentioned before we went on break that uh, we were going to talk about uh, the weak link. And uh, Ian, you did, you were on Broncos Country tonight with uh, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright. Uh, and they asked you about that. And so I'll just, I'll just ask you again, uh, like, you know, why not just start with you or actually, you know what? I'll start. I'll toggle first because you, you said you had uh, kind of an interesting one. And I think that um, when we talk about weak links on this football team, there's the obvious standout weak links, right? There's the offensive line with uh, Garrett Bowles and Juwan James, and you don't know what's going to happen at tackle, uh, whether or not Elijah Wilkinson's going to be uh, in the mix there, how that's going to look. There's the cornerback position and depth there, and how how much depth is enough depth uh, at the def- in the defensive backfield, obviously. And then, as always, uh, middle linebacker or inside linebacker, how are they going to cover guys like Travis Kelsey, for example? You know, and, and that's again our measuring stick has has been the the Kansas City Chiefs, and Travis Kelsey is part of that measuring stick. And so, are they going to be able to? adjust their defense in a way that will slow that guy down and prevent him from taking over a game uh, or, or will he just continue to be uh, you know, a great tight end against the Denver Broncos like all tight ends are against the Denver Broncos. So, so those are your, your typical weak links, right? Those are when, when you ask your, your everyday fan, your average, your average Joe, like myself, uh, that's pretty much what you're going to come up with. And for me, as I said on the show on Friday, when, uh, Benjamin Albright asked the question to me, to me, the weak link on for this team is not a position. It's not a group of guys. It's the ability to win games. The Denver Broncos have to learn how to win games again, because when you look back at the 2019 regular season, it wasn't a position battle that kept that, that kept that team from the playoffs. It was winning close games. There were four games where if the Broncos had closed them out and obviously uh, calls from the officials played into that uh, calls defensively played into that decisions played into that. 
But all that ties into the overall learning how to win again. That's what kept the Broncos from the playoffs in 2019. It wasn't Garrett Bowles. It wasn't the lack of depth in the secondary. It wasn't the inability of the the Broncos linebackers to cover Travis Kelsey. It was closing out games. It was winning games. And until the Broncos learn how to do that again, they're going to be in a situation like, like they were in in 2019. So I think when you're when you're able to, to win games and you're able to close games out, I think Dave Logan had a great statistic where in 2015, the Broncos were like, what, eight and two in, in games decided by a touchdown or less. I can't remember the statistic. I, because I, I just felt uh, boosted up by the fact that Dave Logan agreed with me that he thought that, that was the key to the 2020 season. But that was the key. They knew how to close games out. They knew how to win games that were close. That's what allowed the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, a historic defense. But the Broncos have to learn how to win those games again. They have to because when you're when you do that, when you have a team that win that wins close games that that can finish it off, you have areas that pick up for other areas that aren't necessarily strong that day because you have a full, complete team. Other areas pick up the slack for other areas week to week. That's what happens when you're a good team, when you know how to win. It just becomes natural. So until they know how to do that, and I'm hopeful that they have the quarterback in place that can can spur that, that can be the catalyst for that, because we saw it against the Los Angeles Chargers where Vic Fangio is like, no, I don't want to kneel. Let's chuck it up. That's something that they can go back and look at and say, we won this game because of that. Obviously, season to season, things change, rosters change, all of that. But you can still go back and say, this is what we did to win the game close. We can build on that. And I'm hopeful that they have the quarterback and the coach and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach and the offense and all the other pieces in place to make up for the obvious weak links with depth at offensive tackle or offensive tackle, just in general, secondary and middle linebacker. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, there's, there's two things that I, I as you're talking, I, I think about two different things. Uh, the first thing that pops into my head is losing is a disease. And if you know that line, it means, you know, the great movie, the natural with Robert Redford. Uh, and he's a, it's a baseball movie. And it's about, uh, you know, this old guy who comes back and I'm not going to get into it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's one of my favorites. But there's a scene where they bring in a sports psychologist. The team is just losing all the time. And he says losing is a disease. And it, it's it's stupid, right? The scene is is set up as this idea that you're going to sit through this and listen to some kook tell you that losing is a disease, uh, you know, and, and you have to, you know, you have to get over this disease and blah, 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 blah. There's some truth to that. There is some truth to the, the idea that losing becomes not so much a disease as it becomes accepted because you've done it so much, it becomes the norm, right? The, the norm is to lose. You're supposed to lose because we've lost so much. I just imagine that's how Raiders fans feel all the time because they've lost so much that that's just their norm now. And so you have to get past the norm of losing and feel not necessarily being okay with losing, but... 
it's weird. It's it's about an acceptance of losing. It's about uh, understanding that, hey, we're supposed to lose. We lost. We didn't like it. We hate that we lost, but that's what was supposed to happen. You have to get past that. And I, I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily what the Denver Broncos were in 2019, but losing those close games, the Bears game, the Jags game, uh, you know, losing leads, uh, they almost lost that Houston game. I mean, if you think back to that Houston game, which everybody absolutely loved, Houston was on a comeback, right? Houston was, you, you give them another quarter, Houston might win, might win that game. So it, it's, it's a mentality that really does become pervasive. The other thing that I'm thinking about as you're talking about this, and I'm going to go back to my Jordan reference, my, my Bulls reference. When you watch, when you watched, and I remember I was a kid, you know, sort of, and I kind of grew up in that, in that nineties era. So did you, uh, Michael Jordan was the greatest player in the history of the NBA before they became the Chicago bulls, but he really wasn't. And they had to overcome, uh, losing to the, to the Pistons. They, they, there was a team they had to overcome, but then the other thing that you notice was they didn't win games in blowouts all the time. They didn't blow out every single team that they played. And most of the championships that they won were one. Uh, there were last second shots, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, uh, BJ Armstrong. I remember these guys that weren't Michael Jordan. They were hitting big shots. Uh, Michael Jordan, Byron Russell. If you, if you don't know what's going to happen, uh, crack a book, obviously, but he's, he's about or to just hit, YouTube it. Just YouTube it. He's about to hit a game winning shot to win his final championship. Uh, where if, if you watch it, it looks like he pushes off on Byron Russell. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But they knew how to win games, not just blowout games, but they know how to win close games. And again, I'll go back. um, Apparently, I'm listening a lot to Dan Patrick, uh, but he had Reggie Miller on and Reggie Miller was talking about when they played Michael Jordan and the Bulls in that 98 playoffs and they were up by six over the Bulls. And, and all they had to do was win a jump ball and they could have sort of run out time. Uh, and, and they would have won that series. It was a game seven and there was a, there was a few minutes left, but it would have changed the direction of the game. Scotty Pippen wins the jump ball. They go down the, the court. Steve Kerr hits a three pointer. Now it's a three point game changes the attitude completely in that game. And the bulls go on to win. That is, that is when you know how to win games, that's what happens you win those kinds of games. You, you take, you take control in situations that maybe you shouldn't have won. Uh, there are some people who would argue that that bulls team shouldn't have beat that Pacers team. That Pacers team was better than the Chicago bulls, but the bulls knew how to win. When you look at this, at this Denver Broncos team, their, their biggest nemesis is a Kansas city chiefs team that has learned how to win, that knows how to win and expects to win. And they have to mentally get over that hump of, knowing how to win and expecting to win. It shouldn't be a surprise at the end of the day on Sunday that they walk out of a stadium with a W, but it has been in recent years because of how bad they have been because of quarterback play, offensive line, all of those other things. So you have to get past the I'm surprised we won to, yeah, we were supposed to win. You have to go from being the, you know, you have have to turn into the 98 Denver Broncos who expected to win, who knew they were going to win. You have to become that. And that takes, that takes time. Again, that's why I look at this 2020 season as that gap season, uh, a season where I I agree with you. I think they'll make the playoffs, but they're not going to be a great team, but they're going to learn how to win in 2020. 
They're going to learn how to, to win those games. And then 2021 becomes the game or the season where they really are true contenders to make deep runs in the playoffs. To tie this all back together, that's why it's so imperative to beat the Chiefs. Because if they're if they're able to beat the Chiefs just one time, and I, I think the most likely scenario is at home before the bye, that can show you that they've started to figure it out, that they know how to win. Because the thing that's key with all those teams that you mentioned and all of those scenarios is that you're prepared for whatever comes your way. The one thing that always stands out to me on the difference between John Fox and Gary Kubiak was preparation. Preparation was paramount for Gary Kubiak. When you look back at the four years or five years that John Fox was here and all the games they should have won that they didn't, the playoff games that they that they lost, that they should have won, What's the one thing that always stands out as to why they lost those games? Lack of preparation. They weren't ready for the key moments, the big moments that define those games. They were when Gary Kubiak was the coach. And I think they have a coach in place in Vic Fangio who knows that. They have a coaching staff in place that knows that. And I think they have a quarterback that started to figure it out in his last in those five games in the 2019 season, that's what can lead to this team being a playoff team. That's a that's that's momentum that you can start to build on. And I think while it's still early, we still don't know what this team is going to look like. There's absolutely reason to be excited at where this team is headed. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.